Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. The Horror Movie Podcast is listener-funded by fans like you at Patreon.com. You can find out more at Patreon.com slash The Horrible Movie Podcast. You're listening to the Studio DNA Network, studiodna.media. Welcome to the Horrible Movie Podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Dark Phoenix, along with producer Phil. My name is Jack, by the way. Not to be confused with the previous movie that included the Dark Phoenix. X3. Yeah. Last Stand, or whatever it's called. Uh, and they did the Dark Phoenix there as well. But there's some continuity things, and I'm not talking just a little bit, like where, like how you know it's in Star Wars universe... There'll be some weird continuity thing, and mm-hmm. real hardcore fanboys will really lock into it and be like, "We're mad about we're we're just we're mad and mad because two wrinkles on Job of the Hut are not accurate." No, we're talking about wholesale, like like anyone would would be confused. Like we're just yeah, everyone's confused. Like everyone is is like like you literally have to turn such a blind eye to the things that they're trying to they're just trying to finish this thing out they're just trying to walk yeah. out with some level of dignity at the end of this dark phoenix this uh, x-men saga and we're going to talk about that today again as a movie here's what i'll say before we start talking a uh, massive spoiler alert if you're listening to this in a podcast and you think you're going to go to the theater and watch this uh hit pause go watch it in the theater and then come back if you're in your car and you're listening to this on the radio and you've not seen Dark Phoenix, now is the time to um, go download our podcast and listen to a different episode. Maybe not while you're driving. Don't do that. Mm. Have Hand it to your friend or pull over at a rest stop. Uh, look around for creepers wandering around. Make sure there's no creepers. Uh, or, and then download the episode. Or you can be like a couple of friends of ours that we had lunch with today that were just like, just go ahead and spoil it. We're not going to watch it. They don't care. And so that may be it. You're our friends and you're just listening to our conversation about it. Uh, that's right, Dark Phoenix is your last shot. Five, four, three, two, one. Too late to get away now. Spoilers abound. Here we go. Um, so, Dark Phoenix, uh, Phil, what what do you think about... Okay, let's before we talk about the movies, X-Men, when I say X-Men, first thing that comes to your mind, what is it? I immediately think of the TV show. like The, the, the animated series uh, yep, yep. from like the early 90s. 92 yeah, yeah. is when it came out. And it had a run of. By like, the way, that's about that's three, probably that's probably why they chose ninety two. Yeah, for and this that movie. is why I, I've yeah. listened to a couple different people talk already about this. Uh, Emergency Awesome is a really great YouTube channel uh, that has he he does so many 
phenomenal things on that site, uh, on that on that channel. He does so many great things. Charlie is his name. And he uh, talked about that in length, about how that was one thing, a little, at least a little bit of an homage to the TV show. Uh, 1992 is when the, the animated series came out. Um, Honestly, that was my first introduction to the X-Men. I, I never... I, I don't know that I'd never heard of X-Men, but I definitely didn't know who any of them were until that show. And then since then, I've, I've read comics and yes. gotten into them big time. Now, but. what I will say about that show, when did the X-Men four-player arcade game come out? Oh, yeah. Um, because I, it may have come out before then. Before the show? I, I kind of, I mean, it was kind of the likeness of the characters in that show, weren't it? 92. So let's assume. So same year as the show? Yes. Um, but let's assume that. Yes. I mean, either they knew the the show was going to be a surefire hit, and so the the game came out day and date with the show, or it was just uh, like immediately followed the show. But yeah, yeah, the arcade was ninety two. What a cool arcade game, too, by the way. Oh, I love like that. That kind of helped pull the mythos along with it. Yeah. Um, big cabinet game. The Turtles game was maybe slightly before that. It's the same gameplay. Uh, very cool. Anyway, so um, this isn't the video game show, but we could maybe do that. That'd be fun. Podcast to do too, by the way. Um, so basically, though, when I think of X Men, I love the X Men. I love Wolverine, who's you know he's obviously not in this movie. So let's you know let's really get excited about the fact that uh, the most popular X Men isn't even in this movie. So that's great. Thanks, Wolverine. <laughs> um, so weird. I and I guess that they didn't want to do Dark Phoenix again, but man, Hugh Jackman in this movie probably helps this movie out a lot. Yeah, you know something. Anyway, so um, this movie is allegedly set, like you had said earlier. How many How many years after? It's nine years after Apocalypse. Um, oh, my god! Even though that, like only two or three years, I guess three years separate those movies in the theater, uh, the movies are actually set uh, separated by nine years in the timeline. So, and I didn't know that. Like, I, I know it said 1992, like at the beginning of the movie, so I knew what year it was set in, but I didn't realize that it was it had been ni- since 1983 that the Apocalypse movie existed. So that weird. Yeah, it was really weird. I, I didn't know that until we read the Wikipedia I thought page it was just now. Earlier 80s or mid 80s or something like that. I guess 83. So weird. I don't know. I didn't get that from the first movie, I guess. Um, but what now? What'd you think about that movie? The last the the Apocalypse movie. I liked it. Yeah, I, it's it's not a perfect movie, but I liked the character of Apocalypse um, enough to to kind of put me over the edge with it. Um, I thought the um, the time time traveling kind of things and like how he's like thousands of years old and um, just like the power struggle with him and stuff like that. I thought was really good. Um, I thought it was pretty well acted. I think I know some people didn't like it. Um, maybe even put it towards the bottom of their list of X Men movies, but um, I actually enjoyed it. Like I, I had a good time with it. Do you find it weird that, um, and this is somewhat similar to Dark Phoenix, what we've got going on? Do uh, you find it weird that uh, the the mutants, some the mutants, if you're a different skin mutant, you're blue skinned in this world? Yeah. Uh, Nightcrawler. My, my son said that today. Everyone, he goes, everyone's blue. He goes. Uh, so then there's a lot of blue skinned people in these movies, right, Dad? Mystique and yeah. Mystique, Nightcrawler, Beast. Beast, and you just mentioned Apocalypse, who's yeah. technically allegedly the original mutant. Right? right, right, and so maybe that's where the mutant gene—you're blue-skinned if you're not a regular human with you know powers like you know dreadlocks with whips, you know, 
things like that. There was there was quite a lot going in going on in that movie. Like I don't know if you remember, like the Sentinels towards the end and stuff like that. Yeah, like, and that that played into that classic um, TV show, like the TV show, yeah, uh, animated series stuff. And and there was a lot going on with the government about like allowing you know uh, mutants to have abil- powers, you know, yeah. like. Um, to, to be able to use their powers in public or not, that kind of thing. Right. Um, none of that exists in this movie. Like, do not go into Dark Phoenix if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Um, expecting any kind of depth of, like, uh, world building, like, cultural, you know, like, this is this is the culture existing in 1992. They don't explain any of that or talk about it at all. So Well, and you have in that movie that came out, that came out in 2016, right? You have uh, yeah. Simon Kinberg, who produced that one. It was directed by Brian Singer. And for obvious reasons, Brian Singer didn't do this last one. Um, but Simon Kinberg then directed this this new one. Uh, but we said that about Apocalypse in 2016. Like you said, that in that film, we have uh, the government trying to limit powers. In the uh, uh, Captain America Civil War. Similar. We yeah. have the government trying to limit powers. Yeah. In this movie, Dark Phoenix... Uh, we have a character getting powers and having people try to limit her powers. In Captain Marvel, we have characters trying to limit powers. <laughs> we think someone's a good guy. We treat him as a bad guy. It's this weird, like... Do you think maybe they like they thought audiences kind of had enough of that, so like, let's not even introduce the government into this movie? Yeah, but then it's like the gov- <laughs> like everybody was... Every, the beginning of this movie, like people were like, yeah, X-Men, we love you. Like, he's, they've kind of won them over. Yeah, right, right. Um, and then that changes. But anyway, we'll get into that in a second. But before we get too far in here, let's go some uh, details of the movie. It's time for some deets. The details of the movie Dark Phoenix. Directed by Simon Kinberg. Produced by the Kinberg, as his friends call him. Kinberg. Not, not Goldberg, but Kinberg. <laughs> Hutch Parker um, and Lauren Schuler Donner. Uh, that's right. Mrs. Donner is here. This is uh, Richard Donner's uh, wife. Famed movie director from the first uh, Superman. The Christopher Reeve Superman. Oh, okay. Um, screenplay by Simon Kinberg. He does it all, folks. He slices, he dices, he Kinbergs. And he uh, has done a lot of stuff. Let's talk about Kinberg real quick because he's uh, of note for a few things. Uh, he wrote... Triple X, State of the Union, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, X-Men Last Stand, Jumper, Sherlock Holmes. Um, he produced X-Men First Class. Wait, he wrote X-Men The Last Stand? Yep. Uh, he wrote... Uh, so and- he he knew what happened in The Last Stand then? Oh, yeah. he loved And he loved that storyline, apparently. <laughs> okay. Um, he wrote uh, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Uh, he wrote X-Men Days of Future Past. Wow. And guess what? Drum roll, please. Fantastic Four, the 2015 one. Thanks, thanks, Kinsberg. Yikes, dude! Like, man, yeah. I didn't know. Chappy, knowing all that, there's no excuse for how this movie turned he out. He also wrote X Men Apocalypse. Weird. Yeah, this is really weird. Uh, and he's done a, a ton of other stuff. So he's very, very, very versed in this verse. <laughs> Get it? What I just did there? I just assumed that it was written by someone who didn't know, have a clue what was going on. Nope. Not not written by a 10-year-old uh, in a school contest. <laughs> um, starring James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender. Not Fastbender, but Fassbender. Jennifer Lawrence from The Hunger Games is here uh, playing Mystique, everyone's favorite hero that's 
Not a hero at all in the comics. But for this purpose, we gotta have her as a hero. Uh, Nicholas Holt, Sophie Turner. You may know her as Sansa Stark. Uh, and she is equally as... Uh, well, she's great in this. Just great. Ty Sheridan. I gotta start to be positive. I gotta start thinking positive. Uh, and uh, Jessica Chastain plays the evil uh, person trying to convince the good hero that she's uh, being misled by everybody, much like uh, the one lady from uh, Captain Marvel. It's like the same stinking thing, folks. Hmm. But they had to rewrite this thing. Uh, June the f- 7th, 2019, it came out here in the U.S. Uh, and as of recording, that's two days ago. Uh, a running time of 114 minutes. Did it feel very long to you? At times. Yeah. A uh, budget of two hundred million and a box office of one hundred forty million, and it's on its way to making its money. These make these make money. So, anyway, hey folks, when we come back, we're gonna do thirty seconds synopsis, and we'll talk more about Dark Phoenix, the end of X Men. Welcome back. It's the Horror Movie Podcast, and today, producer Phil and I, my name is Jack, by the way, and we're talking about Dark Phoenix. So, if you're on the listening to the radio version of this, and you're uh, just catching us in between breaks here. Uh, it's spoiler alert time. So be cautious, friends. Be cautious. If you've not seen this movie, it literally is still pretty fresh to the theater. And you may want to go see it. Um, I would say that it's not real great. But that's all right. You be the judge. Um, I want to say one thing about the box office. I So Apocalypse, you're correct. Apocalypse, all these movies do really well. Apocalypse made like three times its budget. It made mm-hmm. over almost... A, like more than a half a billion dollars. Wow. So, th- but here's my prediction on this one. that This one's not going to come close. Like, I, I doubt that it makes, it may, it's going to make its budget, which is $200 million. It'll definitely hit that. But I think I, $200 million is so much money. I, I doubt they go a whole lot over that. I, I would, I would be shocked if it was more than 300 or 350. It's going to make a lot less than Apocalypse. Well, I, I think it should. <laughs> I, I think Apo- a lot of Apocalypse. It, it's a better movie. Yeah, there was almost nobody in my theater when I went opening night. I, I really think that word of mouth and the critics are, are really going to hurt this movie's yeah, box office. I think and, so, too. And, I mean, rightly so, I think. so. Well, let's talk real quick. Let's do some 30-second synopsis. I may struggle with this 30-second synopsis. This, this movie is... Yeah. It's all right. And it's harder, too, it's all, it's all because it's, not, it's fresh in my mind. I just watched it last night late, 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 late. Yeah. And so, here we go. You ready, Rock? Yeah. 30-second synopsis. Time for Jack to do this. This may go poorly. If I get this wrong, you know what I have to do? I have to pay for a reboot of the entire X-Men franchise. And we're going to have Polly Shore as Cyclops. Because he's actually a better actor than the kid that got to play Cyclops. (laughs) (laughs) I digress. That kid, they gave him some horrible lines. Yeah. James Marsden in the first iteration, they didn't use him right either. And then this kid, they're like, oh, good luck. He's... Okay, so sorry, guys. Very very quickly here, like in the last uh, ten years or so of of Marvel comics, maybe fifteen years, Cyclops has kind of almost been the center of the X Men, and boy, nothing could be further from the truth. This movie, he's like a secondary character. (laughs) Like he's he's like the field general. Like he's barely in it. He's basically there just to like care about Gene. (laughs) (laughs) Just uh, sorry. Okay, all right. You ready? Yep. Thirty seconds synopsis. Dark Phoenix. And me go. X-Men go on a mission into space. Uh, they 
uh, are in space. They save the uh, space shuttle Endeavor, and Jean Grey absorbs the entire Dark Phoenix entity, uh, and basically then turns into crazy Jean Grey. Uh, kills Jennifer Lawrence's character. Um, so sad. And then they uh, basically the whole movie is them trying to chase her down. These evil aliens that are not scrolls, they they <laughs> have to then try to stop her because they want uh, what she has, and she explodes them all in the end uh, and flies off into space. And they rename the school Jean Grey Academy. Thank you. Phoenix on they rename it Phoenix Online. <laughs> <laughs> University of Phoenix. University of Phoenix. <laughs> so, when you said not scrolls, that immediately reminded me of um, Agents of Shield TV show. They're like, they're not X Men. They're uh, they're Agents of Shield. No, no, no. What's the, oh, oh, um, Inhumans. Inhumans. Oh, I know because they couldn't use them. And then they, they again, this movie, uh, this movie does the same thing that Agents of Shield did with Inhumans. They painted themselves in the corner, and then the Fox deal came through. Yeah. And they're like, oh, let's. Well, we got you, we got this Inhumans movie to release. You can tell they would have loved to have done scrolls for this movie, and they just couldn't because I think they intended Captain to. Captain Marvel, and then they found out about Captain Marvel, and then they had to. Do you remember this? How th- this movie was in jeopardy at at a point because they had to do so many reshoots uh, to clean it up, based on the fact that it was so much like I, I people that I've listened to talk about it online today and you know this morning basically have talked about how the reshoots were based on the fact that it was too much like another Marvel property. Well, that other Marvel property is Captain Marvel, and it really does have some very striking resemblances. You have, uh, what's, I keep forgetting the name of the consciousness on Captain Marvel. What's the uh, Kree uh, consciousness? No, I have no uh, idea. The, 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 so it, it comes in the form of whatever... Uh, Whatever thing you trust the most. Oh yeah, I know what you're referencing. Uh, I, I just don't remember what it's I'm called. I'm gonna find it right here. I'm gonna find it right here. I'm so, gonna find it right here. Supreme intelligence. Okay. So Jessica Chastain's character in this movie I, is and, basically that. And, is a, this is this one of the biggest spoilers? And I mean, except for the death of Mystique. I, well, like, one no, of the biggest spoilers in the movie is that there are aliens in this movie. And when I was telling Jessica about this, my wife Jessica about seeing this movie, she's like, "How was the movie? Tell me about it." I, I got like eight minutes of gripes into the into my rant on this movie before I even mentioned aliens. That's how little like the aliens hardly even matter to this film. Well, but they're the only thing they're exposition basically, the o- and the only purpose they serve is to is to be be the enemy at the end. Yeah, for the Magneto group who you somehow cheer for more because of the the paint the brush strokes they paint Charles Xavier with. Which is nuts, by the way. Yeah. Because Magneto literally has consistently killed people for like four decades. Yeah. Like, literally, you end up cheering for this group because of how bad of a dude this movie paints Charles Xavier to be. Yeah. Which is kind of a sad... It's a, it's a sad it, way to end the, the series, to be honest. Yeah. With to it. make him... He's literally just trying to look out for a kid in the way he does things. Yeah. But, I... That's so dumb. I so to compare this to like uh, Captain America: Civil War, where there are like legitimate reasons to be Team Tony or Team Steve, right? Um, in this one, it's kind of like no, the movie really wants you to be on Team Magneto, and well, like, it wants like, you to be on on Team Mystique, uh, Jennifer Lawrence's yes, character right, first, right? And to, for you to get the she was right all along. Charles is a bad guy now. Yeah, 
And it's like no signs have ever pointed to that in anything. We ever he's been doing the thing with the brain messing around with people for years in order to save them because he has that power. Yeah. Like and I understand like the overarching idea of, oh well, he's just some guy and so there's a man in there and he's forcing people to ball I mean, it is a cartoon it's a comic book. It's a movie based on a comic book. And really, the biggest source material for all this stuff ends up being the animated series from the early 90s. And it's like, come on, let's don't look too deeply into yeah. how you know how we have to explain one, this. One of my biggest frustrations in the movie was how Charles came around to their side at the end. He's like, no, you, you guys are right. I am I'm a jerk. I am the worst <laughs> thing you've ever met. I was just like, no, I don't believe you would ever say that. It's weird. Like, yeah. And I'm not saying, hey, and folks, understand me. I said this before we started re-recording here. Like, like I'm not saying that uh, men should be this dominant force that only that makes all decisions, and Charles Xavier should be able to manipulate anyone's mind that he wants that he wants to. But like, at no point in any of these movies, ever in any of the source material, other than times he maybe had been taken over by, um, what's the character on Legion? What's the Shadow King? The Shadow King, you know, he's he had a hard time fighting the Shadow King off, and you know, other than that kind of th- stuff. You know, maybe apocalypse. You know, like mm-hmm. there, there's not really a time that exi- Professor Xavier's been bad. Like he is part of the Illuminati at one point in the comic book. You, have you read any Dark Reign stuff? No. But before the Dark Reign stuff, it's part of, part of Secret Invasion. Like, and when they they he was part of the group that decided to send Hulk into space. Okay. That gotcha. started the World War Hulk stuff, and that and this is in the comic books, folks. By the way, not in the movies. But I'm saying in the comic book, there's literally no time whenever. Professor Xavier has been a good guy. And conversely, and this is my biggest, my biggest reference for this whole thing is the universe that they have created these movies into is so backwards and, and messed around with that they can't even come up with a lucid like concept to make any of it all, to make it all work together to make any sense. Yeah. So like you have Mystique, who's Jennifer Lawrence's character, which Good, bad, and different. I'm just saying, in the comic book, Mystique is never good. Right. Like, in a rare occasion, I think she's shown some compassion and that sort of thing. In the comic book, like, she's Nightcrawler's uh, mom. Spoiler alert. It's at least let on that that's the case. Yeah. But really, other than that, it's like, like, she's always evil. She's always with the, is it the Brotherhood of Mutants? Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah, right. The bad guys, basically. Yeah. With Magneto. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, in this... She's been in the X-Men. Yeah, Je- Jessica. <laughs> for like 20 years. Jessica's very confused by that. I was like, that is confusing. I was like, Mystique really loves Jean and, and wants to, you know, pull her, pull the Phoenix out of her so that she can get her friend back and everything. And she's like, wait, did you say Mystique? Is Mystique a good guy? Yes. I was just like, yes. Well, and they didn't build out that friendship in the previous movie, in the Apocalypse movie. Yeah. Oh, by the way, tell me, tell folks there's again. A, there's a lot that's not explained in that nine years. You oh, don't yeah. get hardly any exposition. Right. And, and they basically... They try, they make you assume things that they don't ever say. Yeah. And then you're led to just fill in the gaps. Like, and, and it doesn't even make logical sense. Like, when, and I said this too, when they, when they did Days of Future Past, that's kind of when they took this universe and said, okay, we're going to pull from the previous X-Men movies and include... Patrick Stewart's uh, Professor X. This is like the Star Trek generation. Yes, to, along to with quote another yeah, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart's <laughs> Professor X, and um, what's Magneto's character? Uh, Ian, Ian McKellum's uh, Magneto. Yeah, 
and we're going to cross them over and have a joining with those two and McAvoy's uh, Professor X and uh, Fastbender's Magneto, right? And then, okay, so then in that universe, in the Professor X uh, St- uh, Stewart universe, Patrick Stewart universe. This is the 2000s universe. Yes. Basically. We had Dark Phoenix already. In the 2000s. Yes. <laughs> and Wolverine stabs her. Yep. Right? And, and, and someday we'll have Keith Moncrief on here to really rip into that movie yeah. because he deserves to be on here to talk about that movie. The, so the question I want to ask at the end of this podcast, I'll tease it now and we can answer it later, is which movie is worse? X3 or this one? This one for me. Okay, really? Yeah, this one. Because you know why? No Hugh Jackman. Yeah, that's true. And no it, Hugh Jackman. It really, it really does make a big difference when yeah. he's in the movie. Um, but yeah, so the movie, I almost feel like the movie is simultaneously asking us to forget that the original trilogy ever happened at the original X-Men, X2, X3. Right. But it's also simultaneously telling us, no, you can't forget that those movies happened yes. because Days of Future Past happened. Yes. So that movie proves to us that the, pr- the previous trilogy matters, but then these four movies also matter, but they don't jive together at all. Yeah. So now we have seven movies and we're like, I have no idea what happened. Absolutely. It's a, con- it's a, dist- it's almost like. It's this broken off timeline that is not a part of anything. Yeah. Like, it's literally like some other world that, that splintered off. If J.J. Abrams were here, you'd be like, oh, it's a different timeline. And, and, and it splintered off, and it, it's just going and in I that think, direction. I think if they introduced the idea of multiverse or, you know, alternate alternate realities. Alternate realities. Yeah, alternate realities. Uh, that would kind of make sense. But in if, unless I'm remembering it correct, incorrectly... Days of Future Past didn't introduce any of that. Like it was basically just we're going back in time. Yeah, we, and, and and they tied up all the loose ends at the end. Yeah, and fixed it. And they said actually, when we fix this in this world, this timeline will disappear. And it did disappear. Yeah, and those people disappeared. You know what didn't disappear from my memories? Sophie Turner, Sansa Starks, uh, Jean Grey turning into the Phoenix in the last movie. <laughs> Like what was that even about? Yeah. So what? what Jack, oh, look, the Phoenix is here. What Jack is no, referencing? No, it was flying across space at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. What, How what, stupid. What Jack, like, Jack is referencing is at the end of Apocalypse, and I got so excited when I saw this at the end of Apocalypse. One of the reasons I walked out of Apocalypse saying, "Man, that was a great movie," was the ending, and it was because Jean Grey basically started showing signs of being the Phoenix. Like the, this Phoenix had gotten into, you know, had inhabited her at some point. Never she explained it though. Show, yeah, they never explained. it. I was like, okay, it's just a tease. We're gonna see how all this works in the next movie. Well, not cut to nine years later, three years in the in the real world. The very first ten minutes of the movie, she that we see the phoenix come in space, which makes sense. It's it's a cosmic entity yes. that lives out in the in the universe, and it and happens to her. And I'm just like, no, you you guys literally just showed us the phoenix three years ago in Apocalypse. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but then they don't explain it, and they act so surprised when this happens in this movie. Like literally, Phoenix is the one that destroys Apocalypse in that last movie. Yeah, like melts him down. Yes. The, the, the reason they win that battle against uh, Apocalypse is basically unbeatable. At one point, they're like all there's like six of them, or whatever. They're struggling yeah. to take this guy down, and then with one action, the Phoenix basically shows up and and puts him down. Not pretty stupid. And so, and, and then I, I guess we're just supposed to just forget that that ever happened. Um, yeah, I don't understand. Let's let's do this real quick. I, I, we've we've ranted. I, I think we could rant all day about this movie. Okay, let's just give you a little bit of this. So spoilers coming. Uh, here's what happens. The movie starts out in 1975. Jean Grey, uh, she is a kid, and she, uh, which is okay, she's a kid, and she uh, uses telekinesis on the car radio. She does not like Glenn Campbell. She wants to hear Werewolf of London. Dang it! So she flips over 
on the AM radio to Werewolf of London. Her mom looks down at the radio, and in that time, uh, Jean Grey gets mad because her mom won't leave it on Werewolf of London and will only play Glen Campbell by the time I get to Phoenix. Get it? The end line? Mm. By the time I get to Phoenix. Seriously, that's the song. That's probably on purpose. Yeah, it is on oh, without a doubt. And then uh, her mom... And then, then she starts she, hearing these all, all these voices. Yeah, Jean Grey has all these voices and gets real mad and because her, her powers are developing because she's able to move the radio back, but then she has all these powers... And she gets in her mom's mind, knocks her mom out, basically, or kills her. I'm not sure if she's dead before or whatever. Yeah. And then she goes head-on collision. Her and her dad, the dad you're assumed is dead. Uh, Charles Xavier shows up, uh, takes the apparently orphaned Jean Grey to his ex mansion, <laughs> Xavier's school for the <laughs> Xavier's school for gifted youngsters. Never mind. So um, he takes her there. Apparently, dad has died. Everyone's dead. Later on in the movie, you find out the dad is not dead, in fact. Uh, and that's a whole point of emphasis. Um, very similar to the first X, to the X3, by the way, the uh, Last Stand movie. Um, then we have in 1992, this is like Phil had said, nine years, apparently, after uh, Apocalypse happened. Um, the space shuttle Endeavor launches into space. Uh, Professor Xavier has a phone, much like the old 1960s Batman, 66 Batman, just much like Batman and the Bat Phone and Commissioner Gordon. Uh, Professor X has a phone directly to the President of the United States. I guess this would be the very beginning of Clinton's era, or is this H.W. Bush? I could see H.W. Bush doing something like having that phone. <laughs> and, yeah, and we're going to have a, a phone here in my office, and uh, yeah, it'd be great. Read my lips. Professor Xavier phone. Woo! <laughs> All right. So anyway, he dials the number. Uh, 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 Professor Xavier, uh, can you have your uh, mutants fly into space and save our grits? Thank you. Mission accomplished. And then he flies them into space and uh, they use their powers. Jean Grey is reluctant to show up, but luckily, big sister, like, like you know, Mystique. Jennifer Lawrence's character, big sister, you know, to her. Like, just in the comics, you know. Mm. Uh, big sister to her. It's going to be fine, baby bird. We're going to take you there. You're going to win the Hunger Games, and I'm going to keep you I'm gonna keep you safe. Uh, just, if, if the second, listen, the second something bad happens, I'm turning that jet around. She literally says that at one point. Yeah. I'm turning that rocket ship around. <laughs> but Professor Xavier being the anger, the anger, you know, aggro, evil, evil leader that he is, forces them into space. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, Jennifer Lawrence's character, uh, they get into space and they have to use all their powers combined. Except for, now they do use Cyclops does blow out the uh, rocket. That was kind of cool. That was smart. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Nightcrawler, which my son loved Nightcrawler. It's the first time he'd ever seen Nightcrawler. Uh, he uses his power to teleport inside of the, I cannot see in the window at one point he says. I, I didn't like his acting, but his... <laughs> His uh, his mutant power is kind of the star of this entire movie. <laughs> it really is. They, if, if, without him, this movie's not possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he um, teleports them inside. He has to teleport Phoenix, or not not, not yet, Jean Grey inside of the space shuttle to hold the whole space shuttle together with her telekinesis powers. Um, Mystique is really just the pilot, right? I mean, she doesn't do anything because she doesn't have to, you know, change into another human. That's her only power. Yeah, she's is just a she's basically help, helpless in space. She's shapeshifter. <laughs> anyway, so she. Um, Why does she even come? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Scott Summers again. 
Cyclops has always been the field leader of the of the yes. uh, of the X Men, but at this point, he just is there for his blaster eyeballs. Like he is kind of the equivalent of to the X Men. He's kind of the equivalent of Captain America, where he's like the leader. Yeah. And in this, he's like, oh yeah, you got your eye blasters. Shoot that rocket out. Okay. All right. Hey, we'll get to shoot this rocket out in a bit when we come <laughs> back. Sorry, we're rambling. I'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back. And uh, we're here today talking about Dark Phoenix, the X-Men saga, the end of the X-Men. This is the movie that just came out in theaters, and we are spoiling it. So yes, so be, be under that. the uh, understanding that we are spoiling it. Uh, Phil, what was your quote? Uh, Producer Phil's here. Uh, my name's Jack, and you're listening to the Horror Movie Podcast. But uh, well, your, your thought was what? What did you say about not thinking? Oh, I said the problem with this movie is that if you think about it too much, it starts to fall apart, so you just can't think about it. <laughs> A great way to market a movie, and it's a great way to put together. A that was movie. on the poster. Actually, he said, "Just don't think about it while just you don't. watch it." <laughs> X Men, Dark Phoenix. I think it's just called Dark Phoenix, isn't it? It's yes. just called Dark yeah, Phoenix. Right? X Men is not in the title. Ooh, but but X at the end is a circle like the X Men logo. That's mm. pretty smart. At uh, the end of Phoenix. So yeah, X Men or Dark Phoenix. Just don't think too much about it. Um. Okay. So so friends. Um, the rocket. Last time we were here, uh, last time on the show, we uh, before the break, we were talking about how they went into space. Jean Grey has to hold the intact in, in the interior of the space shuttle Endeavor together, while um, Nightcrawler teleports uh, Quicksilver through the cabin to get the astronauts out. Have 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 astronauts ever been more helpless in a space situation than this? Um, recently I've been reading to Jordan, our, our daughter, the Chippendales Rescue Rangers books. And there's, Which are awesome. And there, there's a book where basically, uh, these human astronauts get saved by chipmunks. And it's, it's kind of like that. <laughs> this movie's kind of like I, Rescue Rangers. I'll give you the example. <laughs> uh, even, even more real life practical. We went to Nashville, uh, recently, uh, and, uh, to the CMA Fest. It was very fun. Great, great trip. But I utilized the, uh, you know, just the Google, you know, the not Google, but Siri on yeah. my phone. Yeah, of course. And we used it a lot to the point where you get so reliant that you're not really making, you're just reacting and not making decisions. And it, there was a couple times when it really, I made myself mad. Not to make any people around me mad. I made myself mad that I, the, the Jack... From 20 years ago, could look at a map of a city. Okay, I'm not lying about this either. Mm-hmm. I could look at a map of a city. I would see the zoom. You know, they'd have the zoomed in map on the right side, like right. if it's Kansas City or St. Louis or wherever you're going, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, wherever I went, Dallas, wherever. And it would be the zoomed in thing, and I would memorize the turns, the name of the the name of the turns, the name of the streets. And now I'm waiting on this computer, to be like, turn right at this street, <laughs> and I would miss it. Because it wouldn't be as obvious as that, and I wasn't really looking for it. I was waiting for this stupid freaking machine to tell me to do it. <laughs> Make sense? So yes. it, to segue now to apparently humans in 1992 in this alternate world are so reliant on the X-Men that these trained space shuttle professionals, they're just literally just sitting in a cab, <laughs> spinning around to their deaths whenever Nightcrawler and the gang show up yeah. to save them. They're like, oh... Hallelujah! We we were just gonna spin here like idiots for days. 
Oh my! I, so you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you never see them like working on instrumentation Dude, or anything. This like is that. the top. Hey, listen, as far as science goes, as far as math goes, this is the highest level of human possible, and they are literally subjected. They are. They are now. The only thing they can do is sit in their chairs, buckled in, and spinning in a circle, praying that the moon catches them, <laughs> and they don't end up in the like in the uh, in the Kyber Belt or something, or sucked into a, a vortex somewhere. But luckily, here come X-Men's, uh, the X-Men. Uh, well, I'm starting to understand about, why Magneto thinks that they're the next stage of evolution. <laughs> if, I, if this is the best of humanity. Well, right. He's like, we got powers, and they can't even figure out how to get themselves out of space. They just spin around. <laughs> waiting, waiting, waiting on someone. Someone help us. Help. We're spinning. But like, the, the captain went down to figure out the, the telemetry thing. He went down into the ship. Right, as it was spinning, right? While the rest of them just spun in circles. They have one human because they got everybody out, they thought. And that's when they had to go back in. And that's when Gene, they were the countdown. Oh, 10, 9, 8. Oh, she's not getting out of there in time. And then the Phoenix thing came and she absorbed all of the power into her. But they rescue her out of space. They take her back to Earth. She wakes up. We think everything's fine. She's never felt better. She's like, I'm at a thousand percent. Literally. And I quote, this is a quote directly. Listen, this is a quote directly from TripAdvisor. Her scales, her rating off the charts. She's five stars. She's actually (laughs) 10 stars on TripAdvisor. Off the charts. The spaceship to the moon. Off the charts. Um, So anyway, she... um, Ends up, they've run some tests on her, whatever tests they run on X-Men. Her her rating, literally. At one point, V says, her rating is literally, I've never seen anything like it. It's off the chart. So apparently they rate each other, the X-Men. What do you think Xavier's rating was? A 10? <laughs> this is kind of weird, right? You know what I'm saying? Who came up with the scale? You know who did? Charles Xavier. Yeah. Jerk. That bigot. What a jerk. <laughs> Sorry. Mystique, she's a nine. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't know. I'm just saying, folks. We're just telling you about. By the, the way, once I, I can say this with absolute certainty, once Jean Grey comes back to Earth, nothing happens in the movie for the next 20 minutes. Okay, so they, Jean Grey, just they go to a party. They're kids. Right. The, the, a lot of the uh, X Men are are still kids, and they go to this bonfire. They're listening to Thomas Red or whatever country group they want to listen to by the bonfire. And uh, Luke Bryan is probably there. He's probably there singing. Uh, and they, um, Dazzler makes an appearance. And literally her only power is to um, just light up, like, basically fireflies above her. Yeah. And make it look like a light show. And she's singing, too, by the way. Yeah. Isn't she singing? Which everybody likes that. And it is the most obvious, um, what do you call it? Like Lip-sync? a dub- dubbing over like yeah, yeah, that yeah, I've yeah, ever yeah. seen in my life. It's bad. Well, that's her power. She it makes it. It makes it look like she can just sing like anybody. Okay. Um. So she's there. Uh. And I here's what I'll say about this. I understand. I've, I. I think you guys. You're listening. You think I'm ripping on maybe Jennifer Lawrence's character, uh, for being one of the leaders and like the leader of the group. And, and I'll say this. And I'm not really. I'm just saying that Mystique in the comic book is never in the X Men. No, in fact, she's kind of evil. She's like, the evil. She's evil, yeah. but she somehow, in this weird timeline, is the epitome of all that is good in Granola. Like, 
In and, fact, and, and, and then they, they never call her Mystique to my to my remembrance. Raven. Like, they always call her Raven yeah, yeah. Darkholm, like, which is the character's name. And basically, they they're saying like she's no longer Mystique. Like she's a good guy now. Yeah, she gets a good guy. So anyway, but I will say this: in the X Men throughout time, strong characters in the X Men. There really, there's only been Jean Grey as far as consistent members of females in the X Men. You have the Dazzlers of the world, and you have Jubilee, who's somehow just like Dazzler but different. Yeah. Any other late? Oh, Rogue is the other one, yeah. but Rogue is no longer in these movies. Yeah. But Rogue is another super strong character. Yeah, like, I would love to have seen Rogue in this. Yeah. So there aren't a ton of female characters in the X-Men. Yeah. I and mean, they, the group is called the X-Men. Well, they, they do make that reference in the movie. And, and she... Yeah, right. And she, and she walks out and she goes, maybe you should be called the X-Women. Because. Because. Because they're always saving Because the women are always saving the day. And, and I will but, say that. Hey. I'm going to say that. They are kind and of always saying that. Not, do not take this as a sexist remark And I'm not or trying to be that way. I want people to understand that. that I, everyone needs to know that at, she utters that that phrase in the, at the towards the beginning of the movie, and then it almost never happens after that. And that makes me mad. Like, if you're going to make that kind of like a girl power, kind of like assertive political statement or whatever you want to call it, yeah. follow it up. Like, make like show scenes where, like, I'm be, I'd be totally fine with that. Girls saving guys, you know, to, you know, from being killed or whatever. But it's all guys guys after that so like why right. why make that statement and then never follow up i just up with feel it? like that's kind of the it's where they're going with that movie captain marvel did that a little bit too like honestly yeah, yeah. at times where, where you know but it feels forced when it's not all the time do you, you know what i'm saying like like if, if you're gonna make the movie about that about like you know women power or whatever i'm totally fine with that captain marvel did that i thought great um but this movie doesn't do that like it, it makes a couple of comments that are meant to be like fire you know, shot across the bow kind of comments, but then they don't follow follow it up with actual anything actual plot. You know, plot based. I could literally talk about this movie for oh, two, I mean, two days. I, I have so much to say, and I'm, I, I'm sure people listening are just like, "Oh my gosh, what what's happening to these people?" And I'm telling you, like, it, here's what here's my frustration. Here's my frustration. Um, they in the in this movie, they built this movie, this universe out, and we all know. That this is the end of this of this particular movie universe. Yeah. In fact, they, if, if you didn't know that, the poster says that as you're walking into the theater. The poster actually says like the end of the end of the saga or whatever it is. Right. Right. But but and so it basically like and I made this during lunch today. I was telling Phil this basically is it's basically like Kmart's going out of business. <laughs> OK. It's been bought out by somebody else and it's going to be completely repackaged into something else. It's just going to be storage for them or whatever. And Kmart's being bought up, but this movie is basically Kmart, but they're, they only have a month left, and they're still trying to sell you like a Kmart store-only credit card. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, I, I don't really care to have this credit card. And not only that, it's not even a very good credit card. Like, like if it's giving you any benefits, you're still paying full price, or it's like you can't even really use it at the store. It's like, anyway... Yeah, I, I so I read a few reviews. A lot of the reviews are using the same phrase, um, cash grab, uh, in in a lot of the the. And honestly, it's hard to watch this movie and not think of that because, a like you said, the the credit card's not even that good. Like the plot of this movie is not fleshed out. There's not a lot going on. It's it's kind of one note for like the entire two hours. Um, and as far as like the ending of a film, the end of a franchise, you compare it to Endgame or, you know, end of, you know, phase three of Marvel or whatever, uh, phase two, phase one, this is the end of, this is the last thing that Fox will ever say about X-Men 
and it just like the end the end of the movie i know we haven't talked about the end but it just it just feels like the end of a movie not the end of all these movies david in the live chat you're asking which is the better jean gray famaki i'm gonna get her name wrong famaki johnson jansen i'm gonna get that wrong or sophie uh, turner and it's absolutely famaki as the better like without a doubt the original one is better yeah as an actress i think she's better She's a strong actress. I haven't seen Sophie Turner in Game of Thrones, which is kind of the only other thing she's known for, right? It's similar. You, you, if you saw this movie, it's the same. I don't think she's a good actress. Well, I think I think she plays a very stoic, like serious character. Yeah, and she plays that same character in Game of Thrones. And you know, Sansa is a big character in, in Game of Thrones, with, without a doubt. Like, really? Like, okay. And, and, and comes off very strong. And honestly, you're kind of like she's, she's like an homage to her parents. Okay. And her mom is a really strong lady. Right, and that's awesome, and it's like she comes off as that strength, strong character because of how she plays it. Well, she kind of plays this character the same, except they talk about how emotional Jean Grey is. Yeah, she's emotional. Blah blah blah. No, she's pretty, pretty stoic the whole time. Like, yeah, she plays it pretty straight up. Yeah, like she's not emotional. And yet she cries in half of the scenes that she's in. I like that's, that's the they're it, trying to tie that emotion in. Yeah, they're they're trying to make her. And that's exactly what I told Jessica. Like I, I said, uh, she's not good at showing emotion at emoting on screen. Um, and yet, so they basically have to give her like fake tears that roll down her cheeks yes. and stuff like that as yes. she's acting, yes. as she's trying like to act her way out of yes. her paper bag. Yes. And so like <laughs> like as you're watching it, you're like, I feel like you're only doing this so that we can see some kind of like struggle, internal struggle in her, and it's not selling me. Like I, I wasn't convinced right. by any of it. Well, and okay, so let's let's get to this. So uh, Jean Grey comes back to Earth. She starts firing up and really gets angry a lot because of the phoenix that has entered her body uh, to the point where she uh, gets mad at the party because uh, they're having it by the bonfire. She has this weird flashback thing in front of the fire, the 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 bonfire, and then she's like, "Get away from me!" Like after school special, <laughs> and uh, the trees kind of wave, and it uh, cuts Scott uh, Summer's face. Meanwhile, across the lake or somewhere else in the world, who knows? You see these uh, red things come down from space, and they separate out. There's three of them that go in separate directions. Uh, turns out that's the uh, the uh, bad guys. Dabari. From the, movie, the Dabari. The Dabari. Which I, I did not remember. Shape-shifting them. race, and I, they are from the comic book, but very obscure. I, I didn't remember that they even said their name in the movie, but but you said that you actually did hear them say it. Yeah, so one, one time. Yeah, and I, I believe you. I just I didn't hear it. But um, so that's how little they really even reference these creatures. And I understand they don't necessarily know them, but here's the thing. If the movie wants you to, to feel like that aliens are like truly alien to this world like that no one has ever seen an alien in in 1992 x-men world Mm -hmm. nobody reacts that way like everyone's like when they figure out that they're aliens they're like oh yeah that must be that must be an alien what no one's ever seen an alien before like why are you freaking out at one point (laughs) professor x goes what are you and it's like that's about it like that's about the only yeah i mean the only reaction they know that they're not mutants like they're, they're not like super powered <laughs> right. people right um they're, they're from some other world something they don't understand but no one flips out of that about that no one questions it it's just like okay these are aliens i guess we're fighting aliens now let me wrap this up real quick for radio yeah. people let me wrap this part up and then we'll come back and flush more of this out the dabari come down uh in this we- they have these weird they take over people's bodies now do they take over their bodies 
or do they just shape shift into their bodies and do they kill the people think, they inhabited? I, I think it's shape shifting. Yeah. Okay. So I, where I, did the they people are, go? They are essentially scroll. They killed him. I think they killed that guy. She killed that guy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like the main the main girl. I can't remember the actress's name, but uh, Chastain. Yeah, Ch- Jessica Chastain. Jessica. Like, Which she, she hey, kills, honestly, she, she kills does as dude. good of a job with this. Jessica does, and I like Jessica Chastain as an actress. I, she does as good as a job with this as she can. Yeah. She has to play an emotionless yes. like, person. Yeah, and I think she does a pretty good job at it. Um, she basically is their leader. De facto, you just figure this out. Um, there's already some that have kind of infiltrated the government at some level. Um, she takes over just this random wife that lives of this person that lives on this random lady that lives on a lake uh, in a really nice house. They're having some party and she goes out to figure out why their dogs are barking and they take over this person. Well, then she ends up, I guess she gets to walk around everywhere because, because, (laughs) because she ends up. Hanging out with the FBI or whatever. Well, never the FBI. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm looking too much into this. I, I saw some some rumors that people thought she was going to be like Emma Frost because she kind of looks like Emma Frost. Yeah, yeah she's um, very platinum blonde. But like yeah, very, I, very platinum blonde. what a waste. Like that, those. She was in like what ten minutes, twelve minutes of this movie. Like, but but in a big role because she has to be the one. She tries to. Um, she's the big bad. She's the, the big bad, but she tries to talk uh, Jean Grey into just hey, just you should come work for us. We're gonna try to help restart, you know, make our make everything great again. <laughs> no pun intended. And she, uh, and she basically is like, well, I don't know. Jean Grey is like, well, and then, and then basically Chastain's character is like, if she won't turn to our side, we'll just take the Phoenix Force for ourselves, and then we'll restart our world that was destroyed by it because they're the Debari's world uh, was destroyed, uh, and so they've been looking for a world ever since then. And uh, so then, hey. Uh, they're basically, you come to the end, folks, radio folks, just so you know, they come to the end and they have uh, they have a big fight. Magneto comes off of his island, which they never say it's Genosha, but it's a mutant island uh, for refugees, basically, and it's Genosha from the comics, basically. But uh, he comes out to fight uh, uh, Jean Grey because, you know, Mystique's been killed and we're mad about that, you know, because uh, Phoenix kills Mystique. And then... Uh, Xavier finally comes to terms with the fact that he is, in fact, the most evil man on the planet. And um, they're going to fight. They end up, at the end, having to fight together because they get conveniently stopped by the U.S. government, I guess, <laughs> with some Newton-suppressing shotgun thing. Uh, Phoenix gives up her powers uh, slightly, and then uh, they have a big fight at the end, though, and then she incident- like just starts disintegrating. Phoenix does. Jean Grey starts disintegrating everybody at the end, and then flies into space. I am Phoenix. Radio people, we'll see you soon. See you later. Bye bye. All right. So back to where I was at before I spent through that. Um, so we're going back to earlier in the movie. We're going to go back to earlier. Okay. In the Podcast people, listen up. Um, basically. Uh, okay, so one of the only scenes I liked in the middle of the film, yes. if we're going that far back, yeah, let's go back. is um, I, I, I did mostly like the scene in Genosha, if we can go back to that. Yeah. So, like, the, the helicopters descend on this place. And but start- before that, Jean Grey goes to Genosha. She has blood on her coat uh, because she killed uh, Mystique. Mystique. And Magneto's at- classic line in that scene is, like, whose blood is that? And she won't answer. Yeah, she won't answer. This is this is the only part of the movie where I was I was in. Like, yeah, I was I was yeah. riveted and, with and this stuff. Jean Grey, though, first the death of Mystique happens outside of Jean Grey's old house, 
she went and tracked down her dad, and her dad was actually alive. Uh, and she's like, wait a minute. You don't have any pictures of me on the wall. Oh, I'm hideous. <laughs> that, ah. that scene was terrible. I, and, she's like, and he's like, hey, now, now, hey, here's, drink your water. Just calm down. Let me explain. When you killed, you killed m- your mom, and that my whole life died that day. And then she blows up the front of the house, and then the X-Men conveniently show up, and they have a little fight with her, and she goes, get away from me, Mystique. We're, we've been best friends for a thousand years, but <laughs> get away from me. And then shoves her into, like, of course, a conveniently uh, splintered off yeah. pole of some kind. Now, to your favorite. Now, Jean runs away, oh, oh, seems by, by homeless way, for a while. By the way, quick, Quicksilver, who can, who can move faster than Jean Craig can even track, um, still gets tripped up. Like she uses the Phoenix apparently makes her so fast that she can like move things out of the way so that he can't run across them. Like I was like, no, I don't think that would happen. He's, he's a little too fast for her, but okay. Yeah. And they, and they also don't play up the fact that, um, <laughs> uh, they, they also don't play up any fact that, uh, Quicksilver in this movie, they talk about nothing about his relationship with, with Magneto. Because yeah. he found out the previous movie that he is Magneto's oh, son. Oh, that's right. And they don't. And they, they don't even they mention it. And that was it. one of the coolest things that was developing. Yeah. Because that Quicksilver is a great version of Quicksilver. Yeah, yeah. Better than the other version of Quicksilver. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, man, they just dropped a whole bunch of stuff from Apocalypse. What didn't a they? clunky thing. Anyway, they don't. It, that would have added some brevity to it, and it would have been cool. Yeah, they, there's a lot that they could add to the plot of this movie to make it interesting. All right, so then uh, Jean Grey runs away. She flies away. Just like hovers. No, that was on Genosha. She she she's gone. Yeah. Uh, the government shows up. Well, she flies away. She goes. She, no, no, no. The police show up and she blows up the the police oh, cars right, right. and look what you made me do and I'm hideous and run away. Don't look at me. <laughs> and then um, then there you go. So there you go. Now we're on Genosha, Bill. Genosha was the, another good scene. I the the scene with her and her dad was like woof like it was really hard to get through like I, you know sophie um turner just acting her little heart out <laughs> it was really bad but the, now folks the, the scene, understand now if you've seen game of thrones you're you're probably coming into this movie you're probably like oh sophie turner she's sansa yeah this is a big deal phil's never seen game of thrones no i've never seen so it. like he's coming at it from you have no real i'm not saying you should have reverence reverence for her yeah, I, yeah. I, you do yeah. but like as she's Sansa, so you've seen her grow up into this character. Yeah. Go. Yeah. So Genosha, like I, I actually really enjoyed the interaction between her and honestly, Fassbender is such a phenomenal actor that like anytime that he was on screen, I was locked. Like I, I was just like, I want to see what this guy he's just chewing up scenery, like you know, left and right. So um I, I liked the actions, the little mini action scene that they had, like the chopper comes down and then they're like trying to fight him, you know, fight, 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 and um like you know, metal is flying all over the place because Magneto's going crazy. I liked the one of the best the best scenes in the movie as far as action for me uh and really the only scene that i really liked in the middle of the movie like you know sans the the first 15 minutes in the last 25 minutes was this scene in genosha because i liked the idea that phoenix has incredible control over the chopper but he also does because it's made of metal obviously but he can't hold it like he's like at one point he actually says that he's like i can't hold it and like and magneto you always see magneto as this like unstoppable force like he is so powerful he can be anyone and to see him like the look in his eyes of fear of like oh no like i i finally met my match like someone can can actually send this chopper flying and there's nothing i can do about it um i thought it was really intriguing to me um um, 
he another knock on this thing is that they have a very depowered Magneto. Magneto, literally, folks, listen. His power is that he controls metal. All of our bodies have iron in the blood, and he literally, to the molecular level, could take the iron in your blood and explode the iron or extract it or and extract it. <laughs> yeah, from whatever every pore in your body, it would be the ultimate pore cleanse. Well, and the ultimate exfoliating of your skin. I mostly agree, and, and he doesn't, mostly agree with you. But but at the end of this movie, we do see his power when he pulls that subway car through oh the earth. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Okay, so one, I can I can I make a statement real quick before we get to it? We have yeah. a new a new sponsor on the show. Okay, uh, and it's it's kind of a serious one. I um I never it, know about these. Sponsors. It's kind of a serious sponsor. Okay, um and it's uh this is a serious sponsor, uh, Phil. Um in your time of need. There's one. When it comes to X Men, there comes to there's one, one place that can take care of your funeral needs, and that's the Dabari Funeral Home. Uh, it's in the Bronx, uh, and the Dabari uh, they've they've inhabited uh, these bodies here, and probably you're probably going to get great service there. Uh, just check it out, Dabari. Thank you. All right, back to the show. Uh, Dark Phoenix. Thank you, uh, David Saltzman, for that. That's a good joke. Thank you. All right. So, check it out. <clears throat> for all your needs. Dabari. <clears throat> if I can get serious for a moment. Okay. I can get serious for a moment. Okay. So, they um, have the great uh, honor of the fight, like you said, on Genosha. Magneto has all these minions on this, on this place, and none of which they even say the names of. What a bummer! Yeah, it was super weird. I, I, I was. We're Jack and I were talking before we started recording. I, I think one of the strengths of X Men, mainly the series, but also the movies, is um, it, the the excitement of X Men is that at any moment they can introduce a brand new character with brand new powers, and it changes the game. It changes the narrative. It changes what the how the characters have to play their side of the game. You know. This movie, there are no new good characters in the, introduced in this movie, unless I'm forgetting one. I mean, Dazzler, but she doesn't actually fight. Yeah. Um, the Dabari. The good guys? No. I said there's no good guys that oh, are introduced. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, bad guys, there are several that are introduced, but you don't see, A, you don't see any of their powers until the very end of the movie. Yeah. And B, like like you said, they're, they're, they're not, they're nameless. Like, they're... There's absolutely nothing known about these guys. So they spent a lot of time in the movie having like really meaningless conversations between characters about, you know, like, oh, you know, can you control it? No, you can't control it. And then, <laughs> and then, and then instead they, they burn up all that screen time with that kind of just pointless bad. material. Yeah, bad material. Badly acted yes. material. A lot of these actors are really bad. Um, and, and <laughs> instead they, t- they, in order to use up that, chew up that screen time, they have to pull from some of the stuff that we might actually care about. Like some of these new characters, like yeah, give me a backstory to this guy. Like, tell me who or, he is, or flush out Quicksilver's relationship with his dad. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, there's a lot more that could have been done. Weird. The, the, if you go to the Wikipedia page for the plot on this movie, it consists of all of five paragraphs, and really, like, it's almost four paragraphs. Yeah. Um. There's not. There's not much going on in this movie. No. And um, I I just uh okay. Let's do this real quick. Let's let's power through this here. So uh the Dabari. Basically, they get uh, Jean Grey right where they want her. They invite her uh, to their to their. Uh, I think it's in it's some major city. It's in New York City. They bring her uh, to New York City, 
They sit her down. Listen, we've got this great condo here. We'd like to show you this condo to take a look at. Uh, and then they get her in there, and you're like, this is what she literally said at one point. This is what you wanted to show me? Because the Vuk character, V-U-K. Yeah. Vuk. Vuk, probably. Uh, sorry. They were, you can beat that, I guess. Um, that's that's ba- a hard V, people. Basically, uh, <laughs> uh, basically, it's like, look at this. We're from space. Look at, you have the power in you uh, of the phoenix. And if you don't want it, you can just give it to me. But until then, you can have the power. We're going to work together, right? Team up. The X-Men show up. Magneto, for show, I guess to peacock a little bit, pulls an entire subway car. It takes him 25 minutes to pull us out of the street. <laughs> and then it just sits on top of it. And, like, it does nothing. Like, Yeah, what did he do with it? I don't know. It meant nothing. I guess it's so he could jump up to the next level. But he can levitate through air. No, can't be that. I don't um, know. I don't know why he did that. It was dumb to but, make the set piece. By the way, there are like twenty cars on the street, so yeah. why not just grab a bunch of those? Yeah, and just throw them through. Anyway, there's a big fight between Magneto and and uh, Xavier's people. Beast at this point is so mad at Xavier. He basically f- switches sides. Like yeah, he's he basically does. on Magneto's team. He does because he's just mad at how bad of a guy uh, Xavier is. He didn't know this about Xavier that he has the ability to read all your thoughts, and he also made Cerebro. And that can also read your thoughts, and it can what, technically control you. What a pointless act. Like, imagine how much better this movie would be if it was more than just beasts that switch sides. Like, let's say, like, five of them switch sides. And now you've got, like, an X-Men versus X-Men Yeah, because scene. even then, like, even then you have Storm, who's depowered as well. Storm, uh, and I'm not saying because she is, because this movie makes her out to be weak. She can't fight a guy whose yeah. mutant power is long hair I, that he, he can whip. I think this movie, the plot, a better plot, if I was going to write a better script for this movie, I think it would mainly consist of the struggle of not Jean, but the the struggle of the other X-Men around her about deciding how they feel about uh, Charles and which side are they really going to stand on and actually making this movie about the struggle between ideologies. They don't do any of that in this movie. So at the end, if you do, if you do my script, you have Beast versus storm you have nightcrawler versus um you know so, uh, some other Pick character one. yeah like and, and that's the problem is there aren't a lot of x-men in this movie like other other movies have like 10 or 11 well, or 12. but he has a whole island of these mutant people yeah that are apparently just like they're just mutants for mutant's sake and so they're like they're only, they didn't go on only, the trip there were only two people that were struggling internally with charles one of them dies in the first third of the movie, <laughs> and then the other guy doesn't make his decision until Lawrence the very. Like, I gotta get out this set. I'm yeah. dying here. <laughs> and then Beast doesn't make his decision until the last like 30 minutes of the film. Man, and so what a wasted opportunity. Like th- that could have been really uh, a really heavy plot device. So in the most awkward scene, one of the most awkward scenes I've ever seen in my life. We'll finish with this. Uh, Professor Xavier shows up in his wheelchair in the front of the house that the. Vuk are inhabiting and Dark Phoenix has taken over Gene completely and is like I want you to walk to me <laughs> and it's like <laughs> so hard to watch Yeah, what they did in this movie because they've got Xavier who cannot walk folks, he's in a wheelchair his legs do not work and they have, it's so it's like a horror movie almost. It does. Where yeah. you're like, oh my gosh. Like they're making him like take his steps and some of the time his ankles are, it's it's, it's, it's hard to watch. It's good acting on McAvoy's part. Yeah. Like I, I, he sold it or really CGI. well. Or um, CGI. Yeah, it could be. On his legs. Um, but I'm saying, then he gets up there and then of course he does the Bob Saget thing from Full House where he goes, listen, we've got, 
you're our you're our friends and remember remember think back in time as the music plays in the background at the end of a full house episode um remember how i what i said we are friends and it's the gift you're given it 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 can be this pen here's this pen i gave it to you you can either poke someone's eye out with it or write a beautiful sonnet but it it's your gift to use as you want and that makes her decide she wants to fight uh, Chastain's character. Uh, the government comes in and uh, takes them all over at one point. Quick, this is a quick turnaround, I, by the way. I'm too. so glad all they had to do was just reason with her. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, she changes. Uh, gets they all get put in captivity by the U.S. government. Chastain's character gets blown out, uh, and then all the uh, Vuk people attack this train. Yes. Handily, they're all on this train to this mutant uh, storage unit. They all uh, attack, and there's a big super fight at the end. She saves them all. She bursts into flames, flies into space, uh, just starts disintegrating people like Thanos snap style, and uh, you know incinerate incinerates all the bad people, and then flies into space. You see her at one point after Xavier and Fast uh, Xavier and Magneto are playing chess at a delicious coffee shop, much like by the way the ending of the of. Batman of of the third Batman movie. Yeah, I mean, really? Yeah, it was very, Yikes, guys. very on the nose. Oh my gosh! So anyway, then you see the Phoenix fly oh, deep into, or like over the atmosphere. Meaning, I guess she's flying around the Earth, watching over all of us. And we'll never know what happened after that. It, so Disney is going to just recast this whole thing and just start over. We right? all hope. <laughs> we all I, hope. That's that's the probably the saddest thing I can say about this movie is the credits rolled and I was just like I just hung my head and I was just like oh my gosh I read a thing and and, and I walked out of the theater and, and I thought you know what the best thing that this movie did for me is to get me excited for the Disney acquisition yeah but then I heard a thing today uh, not only is he going to be Batman uh, Robert Pattinson they've also uh, cast him as the new Professor Xavier as well I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> That'd be so funny. You're my, you're my X-Men. <laughs> Say it out loud. X-Men. So I have a lot of goods and a lot of bads, but I know we're almost out Hit of time. Hit the goods, man. Um, the, the goods are... It's time for the goods. Fastbender is always awesome. McAvoy is always awesome. Yes. Jennifer Lawrence is, is pretty good. I she, feel is, like, she is fine. In, in roles she plays, I feel like, loose. she was fine as Katniss Everdeen. Yeah, I, I feel like her other roles have been much better than this one. Yes. Uh, but the fact that she's not in the movie very much is kind of makes that a moot point. Um, a moo. It's a moo point. <laughs> uh, I'll... Almost everyone else in the movie either does a uh, serviceable acting job or a bad acting job, and that's a real problem. Like the the problem that Sophie Turner's acting, and again, I haven't seen Game of Thrones. She's maybe a good actress in this movie. She's not a good yeah. actress. I can say that, and I to make the entire movie surround and focus on one of the worst actors in the franchise was a really bad choice. So that's my bads. Um, the uh, goods is um, I, I really like. I thought the action set pieces were actually pretty good. Like I, I liked watching them. Yeah, as a movie, yeah, it's Nightcrawl- fun. Nightcrawler was awesome. We're good. Like, just like just watching him. Yeah, you know, grab people and throw them and stuff like that. So um, I, I always love watching Magneto with his powers and see what he can do. He has great power. He's he's very much in control in that last scene. Um, Cyclops is always is, was underused. I don't know. They're, they use some, some characters good and some other others uh, kind of lacking. But um, 
Bads. Man, what, what I know a, the bads. The bads for me. What a letdown of a series. Are the, are the, the, the bads the for me are the continuity issues yes. and the complete lack of seeming to even care. And it's written by the guy that wrote the other ones. That's an excuse. How do you even do that? Yeah, there's no excuse for how that. Would, how would you even? I, I'm, I'm just saying, guys. I've never written a screen a screenplay. I've never written. Right. I've never done that. Done that. But I've watched these movies and I know what happens in them. And if you wrote them, wouldn't you be able to be like, oh, yeah, we did this and this? And I mean, I'm a wrestling fan, and even wrestling will keep their continuity better. And these are sweaty men. Wrestling each other week to week. I want to like, I, I hope that it's not his fault. Like, like they, someone came to him and said, "You will write a Dark Phoenix story, and she will be inhabited by the Phoenix in the first ten minutes." And and I, I hope that his response was, "But we already teased that Phoenix at the end of the apocalypse." Oh, just uh, audiences won't remember that. That was three years ago. Let's just move on with a yeah. new with a new plot. Yes. And, and that he was just like, "Okay." Or or <laughs> or was it one of those situations where it it linked up too closely to Captain Marvel? And so Marvel was like, "You're you need to just do it differently." And this is the best thing you can come up with. Do you think the documentary will be told, told about this? Someday? I actually it may be more interesting to watch that because I'm I'm kind of wanting to see how this all unravels to figure out exactly what we're even looking that at. That was here. one of Jessica's big questions: was like, how how much of, of the letdown of this movie do you think was caused or at least affected by? The, the whole like Re- Disney reshoots. they were they were shooting this movie yes. and reshooting this movie rewrites and re and reshoots in, mi- in the middle of yes behind closed doors talks between Disney and Fox what I heard that in a big a big scene reset was that train thing at the end oh really? that's what, that's what uh, Charlie on Emergency Austin was talking about about how that reset at the end with that train the train setup so I'd be interested to find out how and why like that's all I want to know so anyway I rate this thing one to five. Oh man! Um, it is for me. It's I, a four because it makes no freaking sense. Yeah, like um, it just is a caterwaul mess at times. I've really gone back back and forth between three and four. Like when I left the theater, I was all the way four. Yeah. Um, when I was on Sif Pop yesterday, they they talked about some of the like the good performances and the great action and uh, some of the interesting things with Xavier and 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 you know things that made you think about this and that. I kind of went up to a three and then I think I'm sliding back down to a four now. I, yeah, I, it's it's really between those numbers for me. But I just for me it was bad and I understand on Sif Pop they talked about this one being not as bad as they thought it was. Yeah. I, I'm just as a comic book fan in general. I'm just like like at least try to make it somewhat something like anything I I've seen before. Yeah. The others did try that. Apocalypse tried to be like the comic book. And, or like the source material, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, don't call it sort of. It's like what were you talking about? The, ever, the last Airbender. Is this uh, compared to that movie? Oh yes, yes. Absolutely. Like where you're like, this isn't even what this is about. Yeah. No, absolutely. Really weird. Really, really. That's really a weird. good good comparison. I, Have you seen Godzilla too? Here, uh, no. you see Godzilla too? So no, I, I, I didn't I'd like it. to see it. I had no way to compare it. So um, yeah, I I think just kind of wrapping up my my thoughts on it. I think um, this. This movie is a very unfortunate way to end this series. I'm glad it's over. I'm glad that Disney has taken it over. Um, yeah, and I, I'm just ready to like move on and pretend like previous Fantastic Four movies and then oh. and this movie like just never existed. Yikes! Yeah, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. Uh, remember, we're going to start our June giveaway uh, and uh, for that Amazon gift card. So get signed up. Uh, go online. Take some pictures of our of your. Uh, of your uh, ratings and our reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, do the same on Android. Any of those Android apps, find uh, the reviewing on there. Take a picture of your review and email to jack at the horrible movie podcast.com. 
Tell a friend about the show. That's the best way people will find out about our show. Word of mouth is the way to go if you enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, then you listen for a long time. You sure did listen for a long time not to enjoy it. So we'll see you all soon. Uh, Again, tell a friend. We appreciate you. Appreciate you listening. See you all soon. And remember, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it it isn't horrible. And just because it says X-Men on it doesn't mean it's not uh, made up junk that doesn't resemble anything to do with the ser- with the source material. See you soon. Bye. Live chatters. Thanks so much, uh, David. I'm going to talk to uh, Phil about the uh, people and how to most easily get reviews done on Android phones uh, with people that are maybe a little older that don't maybe know how to use those phones as well. I'm going to talk to him. We're going to hang out for another hour and a half here going to be in practice. So see you guys. Sydney, if you're still listening, you the bomb. Uh, and uh, anybody else listening in live chat, thanks guys so much. See you. The Horror Movie Podcast is heard weekly on great stations like 88.1 KZ88, South Central Missouri's Public Radio, 104.1 Caps Media in Ventura, California, 103.5 WADR, Janesville, Wisconsin, and 105.5 KFGM, Missoula, Montana, from Missouri to Missoula. The Horror Movie Podcast is available for download on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and at the thehorrormoviepodcast.com.